What's up, everybody? It's Stick to Football Bleacher Reports, college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm Matt Miller, joined every Monday morning by my boy Mello, who made it through the weekend. I did. I survived. I was a little bit sick, but I powered through. Powered through. Leave it all in the field. And old Connor Rogers, who got to fly home from Dallas because he's special. That's <laughs> that's right. I was not driving from Dallas, New York City. There's no way. And let me tell you, as much as it sounds great, when the 5 a.m. alarm went off, it did not feel so great, but I'm glad to be home, and it was a great weekend out in TCU. It was a little bit of a late night for the three of us on Saturday night. Uh, things things got a little out of hand at the <laughs> at the tailgate after party, I guess you would call yeah, it. Yeah, it was fun, though. Uh, Connor had to do some shots because we started betting on football games. Uh, it, was, it was a good time for sure. Uh, before we jump into the show, we have a good show. Let me tell you, we're gonna do hundred dollar handshakes. We're gonna update our Heisman list. We we got draft on draft questions from the tailgate. Uh, we were just at TCU for the Iowa State game. We got some draft on draft questions there. Uh, I want to do two things: some housekeeping notes that we got to get to first. Number one, thank you to everyone who came out to the tailgate. Uh, Dalton and Chris, especially those dudes, they hung all day. And Dalton carried a fucking cooler back to the suburban forest. So. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Big ups to him because he saw, he definitely saw Mello and I. He's like, those out of shape fuckers aren't carrying this cooler half mile. Let me do it. So very much appreciated uh, to both you guys for hanging out. And, and thank you to all the new people we got to meet. Uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying your, maybe your first stick to football. Secondly, and this is a big one, boys. Our guy, Roman Thomasoff, one of the best listeners in, in the stick to football, Mount Rushmore, he would be up there. It's his 21st birthday. And so his dad emailed me, said, hey, it would mean the world to him if you guys could tell him happy birthday on the show. So Roman, from, from all of us, man, happy birthday. We appreciate you. And it sounds like we're going to see you at LSU Georgia. Yeah, we're going to celebrate pretty hard at that LSU Georgia game. That's awesome, man. 21st birthday. Happy birthday. He's been such a great listener. And like you said, Matt, we met so many p- cool people at TCU. I think it was a lot of fun getting a tailgate with everyone. Just being down there was awesome, and we can't wait because two weeks we get to do it again at what is probably going to be the biggest game of the year so far in LSU, Georgia. Yeah, I mean, LSU, Georgia is going to be great. Uh, we're going to be hanging out with the people from Block Party. Uh, Block Party Presents, they're hooking us up with a huge setup, a 10 by 20 tent, so it'll be easy to find us. We'll tweet out the location as soon as we know it, uh, but definitely come say hi. Uh, get get a koozie, get a, a stick to football sticker, get a bracelet. Um, hopefully Mello won't be sick. He'll be a little more lively. We're, we're going to have some fun in Baton Rouge. Let's get into our show, boys. $100 handshakes. That's where we congratulate players on the last weekend. I have to start with Justin Herbert. It's two weeks in a row for this guy. And it, we have what I think we should call the stick to football curse, where we talk negatively about someone. It really inspires them to play well. Coaches come on and we praise them, their team loses. We talk shit about players, they do well. It's like the Mike Greenberg kiss of death. It's like it, if we're going to talk really you up, is. you're going to shit everywhere. But nope. 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 Looks good. Justin Herbert gets my $100 handshake. And it, just week after week, I, I feel like the race for QB1 is really just getting narrowed down to him where he's kind of standing out there by himself, at least in terms of what we're seeing on the field right now. You guys know there's a lot that goes into that as far as, you know, mental makeup, personality, and work ethic, and character, and all these things. But just on the field, Justin Herbert looks like the best one. And I agree with you, too. Like, what we've seen out of him the past two weeks, especially, uh, is really showing that he is you know, mentally tough and can stay in there and do some things. And he's getting it done on the football field. Yeah, I, my first $100 handshake is going to a guy that might have saved Clemson's season this weekend, and Travis Etienne. 
I think when you look at Clemson, obviously losing Kelly Bryant factored in really quickly because Trevor Lawrence, of course, got hurt. It's just it's funny. It's really shitty how things work out. You lose a starting quarterback and then the new guy starting gets hurt. It's just and Etienne came in and powered a run game that really needed to rely on him against a good Syracuse front seven. He had over 200 yards on the ground with three touchdowns. So just a gigantic weekend for him for a Clemson team that desperately needed someone to pick them up in a tough game. I, I agree with you there. He definitely carried the load for his guys. The guy I'm going with did the same thing too, and I'm sticking with quarterbacks this week. I don't know why I always break mine down by position, but that's the uh, way it's going. Trace McSorley, I know that they lost to Ohio State, but this dude did everything he possibly could for his team. I know he didn't have a great like passing uh, box score, but he still threw for 286 yards and two touchdowns. And oh, by the way, he rushed for 175 yards against one of the best defenses in the Big Twin, in the Big Ten, and maybe even the whole nation. And I, I'm so glad that you talked about McSorley because as we were sitting at the bar last night, someone tweeted me like, "What do you think of Trace McSorley?" I think he's a great college football player. He's a he is. I mean, he's one of the best college football players in the country. One of the best quarterbacks. Uh, if they had won last night, we would probably be talking about him as a Heisman candidate, and we're going to get to that list shortly. But I love watching him play, and and even the feature they did in him on game day, just talking about like he's won since high school. He won three state championships in high school, and and he gets to Penn State, and all he does is win more ball games. If James Franklin knew how to call play on fourth and oh five, my gosh, that was I don't even that's know. That's probably the worst it's embarrassing. Play call. And like it's embarrassing I've seen in college football, fourth and five. And I don't even know if it was zone read or if it was just like an outside run, whatever it was. It was terrible. Yeah, they throw the ball. <laughs> just put the ball in your fucking quarterback's hand. Your athletic quarterback hand who has 175 yards rushing. Like get him on the corner. You do a rollout, something. You don't call that play, though. No, uh, I want to I want to give a hundred dollar handshake to a quarterback a guy who might need it because a week ago he was the number three quarterback at Clemson. Like Connor said, Kelly Bryant leaves the school. Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. I'm going to call him Hunter Lawrence so many times. Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. In comes Chase Bryce. I didn't know who this guy was until Saturday. And no, he didn't, play, did. he didn't play great, but he was 7-13 for 83 yards. And he had, uh, on that game-winning drive, he had a 17-yard run. I mean, the, the kid was playing with, with brass balls. I mean, it was incredible to see him come in. And in that moment where... Oh my God, like our franchise just got his head broken on the sideline. I got to come in against a, a hyped up Syracuse team that beat us last year. That's a lot of pressure for a guy that probably never, ever thought he was actually going to play at Clemson. Well, yeah, he's a redshirt freshman. So to come in and be able to do that and be prepared, like you prepare that week, probably thinking like, okay, I'm the number two guy. But really, you knew that Trevor Lawrence was going to play that whole game. And then tragedy strikes like that. And he gets thrown in the mix, so hats off to him. Uh, another guy who has to deal with some quarterback controversy, I'm going with Joe Burrow because for weeks we've been talking off the air a lot about how does this LSU team just keep winning? Like, we don't understand it. I know I don't because they're putting up big numbers, and this offense has not done much. Well, finally, Joe Burrow did. 292 yards and three touchdowns. Also added 96 yards on the ground and one touchdown. Did it all by himself for LSU. This is a top five team, and I cannot wait to see them play in two weeks. Oh, my God. It's going to be great. You can make the argument that he was really the missing piece because LSU always has really good defensive prospects. They have you know guys in the offensive line that can make a difference in skill players. The quarterback position has held them back for so long, and Burrow is a guy that's come in and just 
gotten the job done in big games and played really quite well. So I'm curious to see him in, in, you know, obviously against a team like Georgia where the stakes are higher than ever, but so far so good. Another running back for me, I kind of went with a running back $100 handshake edition here. Justice Hill, it carries his team over in the win over Kansas. Just an explosive player that has been so important for that offense over the last two years. I'm really excited to talk about him as a, as a pro guy because there's going to be so much debate between him because he's around like 5'10", 185 pounds. So you have to wonder, is he a Swiss Army knife? What kind of weapon is he? But like, you know, like Matt and Mello have indicated with Trace McSorley, he's just a hell of a college football player, and it's it's been awesome to watch him. Yeah, it absolutely has, man. And, and yeah, you're going all running backs to, this week. I love it. So last one for me, someone I mentioned last, last week. So this is two weeks in a row, $100 handshake for this guy, Kenneth. Murray, not Kyler, Kenneth Murray. Last week he had 28 tackles. This week he had 17. He has 45 tackles in two games. I don't know how he lives in the ice tub. That's the only explanation is he goes from the field to the tub or he's doing the cryo thing, you know, where you go into like yeah, the, yep. the chamber that like Austin Powers where you kind of cryogenically <laughs> freeze him. I don't know how he's doing it, but uh, as they, uh, Baylor didn't give them much of a test, but it, he has still been asked to do a ton for them at the middle linebacker spot, number nine for Oklahoma. He's going to have a big job. I mean, I think next week, Red River shootout, spying Sam Ellinger, trying to slow down uh, what they're able to do with an inside zone run game uh, for Texas. So Kenneth Murray's probably going to have a, another big game next week, but hopefully he's uh, on the losing side and we're not giving him a handshake. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Ian Book is going to be my guy. You Speaking of guys, he was somebody that we didn't even know if he was going to be any good. We kind of even questioned why he was getting the start. It turns yeah. out he might actually be pretty damn good. Threw for 278 yards and four touchdowns against a very tough Stanford team. I think that he might be legit, and I might have to go back on my words again. I think Notre Dame might actually be pretty good. I was so wrong about Notre Dame and Stanford. I held them out of my top 25 so, in the preseason. Okay, that might have been, that might have been crazier. So wrong. Uh, it, yeah, they they have been very impressive, and... Uh, the defense is just is lights out, so hard to argue with that one, damn it. And he hasn't turned the ball over, which makes him so important because that defense is loaded with, you know, obviously Love on the back end, Tillery. They have players at the linebacker position. They needed a guy under center, and Wimbush was, you know, he didn't have a terrible start to the year, but they just needed somebody that was accurate, that can make plays, not turn the ball over. Every team would love to have a guy like that, and, and Book has stepped in and done it. That win over Stanford was a statement win because I didn't think Notre Dame was really a, a, even close to a top 10 team no. before that win. So a big win for the Irish. My last one, somebody I got to see in person, you know, when we were down there this week and I almost feel bad for him because the stat line's never going to pop out. The team is very bad, but David Montgomery on Iowa state, we always talk about him, but I really wanted to include him in today's show after seeing him in person. My two biggest takeaways were one, he's bigger in real. I mean, he plays at 230 pounds easily. He's got the the compact, you know, muscle Saquon Barkley kind of build. And, and nobody tackles him on the first try. He creates so many yards after contact. It's often behind the line of scrimmage, which is why it's so frustrating. But after seeing David Montgomery in person, it's going to be hard to have a running back in this class over him as a pure runner. There's going to be better pass catchers, guys that are better overall in pass protection. But as a pure inside runner, 
Montgomery has been the most impressive to me so far, and it was even better seeing it in person. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because it goes full circle, right? Like we talked about over the summer, we all liked David Montgomery. I think Melo might have even said he was his running back one. And then it's, oh, well, man, his stats suck. And then you see him in person. Adam stocked down. He's running for his life every carry. He has like no holes to go through. So you can't even grade out his vision because there's no vision. There are defensive linemen two yards in front of him when he's getting the handoff. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's very impressive to watch him play. Uh, one thing that is confusing the heck out of me, and I brought this up when we weren't recording, and I'm going to bring it up now that we are. How the hell does Texas win third straight game? They win and they move down in the rankings. Yeah, they drop. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. I don't. I need someone at some point to explain this to me. Oregon goes up, Texas goes down. I guess uh, I guess we'll see because I, I like the rankings came out today and we were driving home and I was like, oh, man, I, I'm excited to see where we ended up because it, OU is ranked what number six. So it's is this going to be like a six versus 12 game? Nope. Six versus 19. So thanks. I a mean, lot. Oregon beat a top 25 team, but still to jump Texas like I don't get it. And then you had other teams lose like Mississippi State. So I don't know. Like it's, Stanford could. Could have, well, no, they lost to a top ten team. Miami is seventeen, though. I just don't. I Texas is better than Miami. I'm just being a fan. Yeah, Homer pick definitely, <laughs> but I don't see how you can lose a game and and or sorry, win a game and drop. It just it doesn't make sense to me. All right, now like we do every single Monday morning for you guys, we update our Heisman rankings. And it looks like the boys are still doing a little holdout here on the fifth spot. Is this true? <laughs> are we uh, are yeah. we not filling it in for the rest of the year? It's not. Like I said last week, when, when the race gets down to four guys, I'm not going to make one up just so we can get a, a top five in the Heisman. I do not have a fifth candidate. Um, and like, I almost typed Justin Herbert today. Almost did it. It's like, oh, let's just put Justin Herbert in or Trace McSorley just to make it five. I'm not going to do it because they're not going to win. So it's not, <laughs> let's well, be real. For me at this point, it's just like they're probably not going to invite five. Like I just, I don't see it. I think there are four clear candidates and obviously, we agree on the top three. We just kind of have them in different orders. But I just I think there are four guys right now that are going to get invited to New York. Yeah, I think. And, and Connor, you have five, so go ahead, man, with your number five, and then we can discuss that we all have the same top four again this week. Well, I kind of like using my fifth spot now. To sh- it's like a revolving door at this <laughs> point, but to showcase some different players. So I want to go back to you know Travis Etienne because my thought process here is. If Clemson wins out somehow, if Clemson can win out, this would be the player you pick from their team. You're not going to take a quarterback. You're not going to take a defensive player, unfortunately, as good as all those guys are. And Etienne is is not only playing very well, he has the stats to back it up. So I think if I have to do a fifth spot, and we always talk about it, guys, it, it usually goes to a player on one of the top four teams in the country. That's the case for him winning. Yeah, I like it. I mean, if you are going to put in a fifth guy, you get a team, you know, Clemson, who's great, and their running back is kind of carrying the load for him right now. So I'm I'm with you on that one. If you're going to put in a fifth guy, he is a good candidate. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, so the top four guys is uh, maybe a change in order for a couple of us this week, but the same four players. We all have Will Greer, quarterback, West Virginia, at number four. Um they could. They were not stopped by Texas Tech. Uh, the, there was no slowdown for them. Will Greer is going to have the numbers, uh, even with the game of theirs that got canceled. We're still going to see the stats. Um, and, and a lot of people think that 
Uh, I read an article this morning uh, in the BR app where people are like, man, it might be, this might be Will Greer's Heisman performance, you know, just putting up the numbers that he was able to do against the Texas Tech team that doesn't know how to play defense. So he threw for 370, yeah. 370 with three TDs, uh, no picks, and just looks just looks really, really good every week. I think he's a guy, and he's obviously number four for me too, who is going to just be very consistent. And then if he does have that Heisman moment where other guys kind of struggle, like we even saw Dwayne Haskins struggle this week. So if Will Greer can keep being consistent, he gets Oklahoma for the last game. If he can come out and have that that Heisman performance against a guy like Kyler Murray, and I think Kyler Murray would have to do something to lose it. And if Tua is just kind of being, I don't know, he hasn't had like a moment. Alabama's just killing everyone. I think Will Greer could come in and kind of steal the show the very last game of the season. It's not crazy. Like the thing is with Greer, and I know this isn't the popular take, I'm just not excited that much about the idea of him winning the Heisman. I like the play like the players we have ahead of him here are gonna be in way bigger games. And I know Greer is doing everything he can. I'm not saying that's his fault. It's just such a hard pitch for me for him to win this thing. That's why all three of us, no coincidence, have him at fourth. It's it's like he's the guy the guy with the video game numbers, but when you watch the games and take away the memories the next three guys have been more impactful to me. And that matters because Heisman voters are not watching every game. They're watching moments. You know, they're looking at highlights. They're watching SportsCenter or getting alerts on their phone. Uh, and not, you know, there's like 1,800 Heisman voters. They all are probably doing things differently, but that has been the case, which is why these three players at, at the top of the list are most likely to win. And Melo mentioned Dwayne Haskins struggled a little bit this week. We all have him at number three now. Uh, I moved him down this week. Just because of that, they did struggle. And I think when you play in a primetime game uh, you know, on, on ABC against Penn State, that's a marquee game. Even though they got the win, I think a lot of people would say they got the win because of poor coaching by James Franklin, not because of anything that Haskins necessarily did. So I, I think that's something that where voters are going to say, hey, this guy, he's really good, really good. And, and we're continuing to evaluate him even as a pro prospect now. But he's not doing what Kyler Kyler Murray and Tua are doing. And Tua's not doing it with numbers because he doesn't play. He doesn't play in the fourth quarter. It's, I saw need this, to. Ever. I don't know if you guys saw this tweet today. But it's like his numbers broken down by quarter. And he has zero pass attempts. So I asked our buddy Adam Heisler about it. He's like, he hasn't even taken a snap in the fourth quarter yet. That's unreal. It's crazy. I mean, I know that they're killing everyone, but for your starting quarterback <laughs> to not even be playing oh, in the fourth quarter, there are dominant high school teams that don't even have yeah. that. But they're starting he's, quarterback not playing in the fourth quarter. He's kind of like how you're a teacher and you don't work all summer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I, Got in a Twitter fight with some people saying teachers were overpaid. So uh had to had to bring it back in. But I, I think and I would curious to know because uh like Mello, you were not high on Kyler Murray. Connor, you really were buying into the hype over the summer. Uh you guys have them flip-flopped on your rankings. Mello, you have Murray, then Tua. What would it take for Murray to jump him in your opinion? For me, it would be I think Alabama is almost getting to a, a team award. The way that they're killing everyone and we're saying, look at what this Alabama team is doing. For Tua, it's a team thing. You're looking at what his team is doing and how valuable his team or how valuable he is to his team. Because we have seen Alabama be very good, but not kill people by 50 points. And with Tua, that's what they're doing. Kyler Murray, I think it's more of a number thing because we're seeing the same old Oklahoma. I mean, they're 
they're beating teams very badly. And it, it's almost just a revolving door at quarterback. You know their quarterback with Lincoln Riley is going to put up numbers, and that's what Kyler Murray's doing. Yeah, Tua this year, he leads uh, the NCAA in their quarterback rating, pass efficiency rating is what they call it. His is 238.3. Kyler Murray's is 231. Will Greer's is 200. They're the only three quarterbacks over 200. So we are definitely on the money with where we got, have these guys ranked. Dwayne Haskins is is number five, by the way. Uh, Connor, you do have Kyler Murray number one, and I'm guessing it's probably because of that insane, you know, 13.4 yards per attempt. He's putting up video game numbers, like video game on rookie mode numbers, and that, and he's making the plays that stand out when you do get to the highlights. That's exactly it. When it comes down to it, and this is no fault of Tua's, or maybe it is because he's been so good, Alabama has not played a competitive football game this year. Not even close. I mean, week one, they win 51-14. Then they win 57-7. They beat Ole Miss, who was supposed to give them a game, 62-7. And then they, and even the last two weeks, they've won by over 30 points. He hasn't put, it's like I'm falling asleep here, and it's not his fault. And maybe you can make the argument, well, he's so damn good, he deserves the award that easily. We've seen Kyler Murray in a competitive game. I just love the way he plays the college game. I think he's electric in the open field. I think he has a really, really great deep ball with touch that paired up with Hollywood Brown makes for an electric duo. I just am so enamored with the Oklahoma offense with Lincoln Riley. I love watching Kyler Murray play football every single weekend, and he's been the best every single weekend. So if I had to pick today, he would take the award home. Now, if Tua goes out in the big games, and just absolutely lights it up because he has to play four quarters for once. I could see this swinging the other way. It would be hard to pick against him if that happens. Well, and they play Arkansas this weekend, so you're not gonna. We're probably not gonna see him in the fourth quarter. No, it's this weekend. No, that's Jalen Hurts' quarter. Right. Yeah. Now that his yeah, red shirt is, yeah. and, and he, he did officially burn his red shirt, by the way, because he played in his fourth game. Played in his fifth game. Fifth game. Excuse me. So Alabama has Arkansas, then Missouri, then Tennessee before the LSU game. Then they have Mississippi State, who has is, is really struggled the last two weeks. They end the year with Citadel before going to the SEC oh, Championship, God. which we can imagine will be against Georgia. That's a walkthrough. It's a walk, yeah, that's your warm-up. I uh, hope nobody gets hurt. Yeah, I don't... Tua might not play the fourth quarter all year, depending on what happens. She might LSU not play game. the second half of some of those games. Probably not. I, I actually question that scheduling. Why would you put the Citadel on there? Like, I don't... <laughs> I don't understand. It, it sucks, but it's smart. Because yeah, that's Nick Saban. LSU does it too. They play Rice the final game, so it, it. I think this is like an SEC thing where they'll do that and and hope that it's you know Georgia plays a tune up match. Yeah, Georgia <laughs> plays UMass, so it's like if we have a shot to be in the SEC championship game, we want an easy game that last week so that you can kind of ease into it. Um, uh, LSU Georgia two weeks. Dang, they don't have a time announced yet. That better be a night game. If anyone oh, from Baton Rouge at night, it has to be. All right, like we said, we wanted to take some draft on draft questions. Our goal was actually to do live draft on draft where y'all could come by. And I know we teased it as such where you could come by and record your question. Unfortunately, there were some regulations about media uh, in the tailgate area. And we weren't able to record them, but we, we wrote down your questions. We wanted to answer them now that we're all back at our respective desks. So thank you again to everybody who came out. Uh, thanks to the folks from tailgate guys who, hosted us and gave us a great setup. 
Let's get to your questions. Uh, the first one I wanted to put this on uh, from Reddit, Gilroy C21. Is Jim Harbaugh more overrated than David Shaw is underrated? I'll take that one first. And I, I think Jim Harbaugh is more overrated. I think people can see what David Shaw is doing and they value him. But I think just Jim Harbaugh gets so much credit for being this great quarterback mind or this great coach. And really, he hasn't done much. He he got Stanford rolling when they had Andrew Luck. Yeah. Like, how hard is your job if Andrew Luck, one of the greatest draft prospects we've ever seen, is your starting quarterback? I've thought that about Chip Kelly at Oregon a lot. Like, okay, you had Mariota, but how hard is your job? Well, I, even with him, I think it was more about just scheming an offense. Like, yeah. what he did there was pretty special, but... We just haven't seen much from Jim Harbaugh, and they've got some really talented guys at Michigan, and you can't beat your rivals. Like, Ohio State, I understand Urban Meyer's got a lot of good things going on there. But Michigan State, you can't beat Michigan State. No. Like, Penn State's giving you a lot of trouble. You're Michigan. You've got to be competitive with those schools. I completely agree. I think when you look at Harbaugh, it's been very underwhelming because maybe the hype was too big that he was the guy that was going to put Michigan. Like, whenever we talk about the college football landscape over the last couple of years. And we think of it in this playoff format. We really always think of Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and usually Ohio state. And then Washington has hung around a lot too. And now LSU's find their way into the picture. Michigan was supposed to be one of those teams by now, years yeah. ago, maybe I mean, two years ago, even it Wisconsin. never happened. Yeah. Look at Wisconsin. Wisconsin. They're a team that this year people thought might contend for the playoff. There's no real mention of Michigan. And they and keep getting the these thing. quarterbacks, and they're not any good. Like, they are five-star guys. I was going to say, huh. they keep getting great recruiting classes, and the excuse in the beginning was, well, Harbaugh needs his guys. Right. It's been, he's had year, he's had his some of his recruits graduate. Like, <laughs> that excuse is washed up. And just to go back to David Shaw for a minute, it's not easy to recruit for Stanford all the time because right. those guys are some of the smartest athletes in the entire country that are also playing at a very high level. And maybe it is a work ethic and program related thing. And Shaw gets that credit for the work ethic and the way the program is run. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm the biggest David Shaw fan in the world, but he, when you're talking about these two guys, Shaw is definitely more underrated while Harbaugh. I mean, I think people have kind of figured it out now, but for a very long time, he was a very overrated coach. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, th I think he is more overrated than David Shaw's underrated. Uh, you guys did a great, great work with that. All right. Now on to questions from the tailgate. Our guy Trevor wants to know, and I, I think he did this just to mess with Connor. <laughs> which NFL I coach, got news. Which NFL coach gets fired first? Yeah, I think this was directed right at I, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to today be. it's a it's a gauntlet between Dirk Cutter and Todd Bowles. And I know well, the Bucks won a couple games out of the gate, but like that was pitiful. Yeah. 48-10 loss uh, to Tampa, which we didn't know any of this when the questions came in. We didn't know how bad the Jets were going to look against Jacksonville today, but you can you can kind of assume some things, right? I would have said I would have said it's Todd Bowles because I, I think yeah. you have a front office that's done pretty pretty good job of turning over the roster, but you're not either getting the development or you're just not having the coaches put guys in situations to win. So, sorry, but I think it is Todd Bowles. No, I mean, not sorry. Please do it right now. I mean, <laughs> Jesus and the misery. Start it, working on Todd that. Bowles, 
The Jets were down by 13 points with four minutes left, and he punted. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't get to watch the game we were driving, but I saw your tweet. It's like, why would you ever do that? What they need to do is fire Todd Bowles and start working on Lincoln Riley's contract. Yeah. Give him whatever he wants. I don't care. Give Lincoln Riley a penthouse in New York City, unlimited helicopter rides, whatever you want, Lincoln Riley. You can... you earned it because I can't take the Todd Bowles era anymore. I would love for you. This thing I would love for you to get Lincoln Riley out of Oklahoma. I'd be so uh, yeah. happy. I, it's also my worlds colliding. Me being a really big Sooners fan, right. And the Jets <laughs> getting their coach. So we'll draft Hollywood Brown and uh, maybe the Mets can the Mets can trade for Kyler Murray and we'll be good to go over here. <laughs> I had a dream last night that Bill Snyder retired finally and Bob Stoops took over. So <laughs> year 2048. I yeah. actually, I think Lincoln Riley is going to go to the NFL and Bob Stoops is going back to Oklahoma. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Next question this is from Justin. Uh, he had a great question. And I thought about this like all morning as we're driving quarter season NFL MVP and defensive player of the year picks. Now I think defensive player of the year is easy. It's a slam dunk. It's in my opinion, it's Khalil Mack. And he did it again. Another sack, another, another strip sack. Uh, I can't, still can't believe the Raiders fucking traded this guy. But uh, MVP, I think you could make the case for Pat Mahomes. You can make the case for Jared, Jared Goff. Goff. That's tough. I think it's Mahomes, but I want it to be Goff. <laughs> so <laughs> I know it's, I shouldn't even say stuff like that. No, I actually take that back. I really, really like Pat. I just, like, we were so high on the Goff QB one thing. So it's so fun to see him succeed. And then on the flip side, it's really fun to see Mahomes succeed. Me and Mello are sitting here like eating shit. Like, yeah, this guy, this guy is unbelievable. It's not good. like I was, yeah, it's I was not like, I was out. super high on him. I had Trubisky higher. I was going to say, I think he might've been like everybody's quarterback too. Yeah. We just happened to have, I know I had Deshaun Watson over him. Yeah. I yeah, did. I had Trubisky too. over him, but it, I think with Pat, it is different because, like you said, we were all really high on golf as a uh, prospect. And then with Pat, it was like, we just like him. So it's like, he's and, awesome. And it took some of us a while to come around. Yeah. And we've talked about his situation, you know, like being so great that he was in a really, really good situation and it's working out for him. So, um, and, and that's no disrespect to him. But uh, so, Melo, who would your MVP be? I think it would be Mahomes. Uh, it just seems like there's more hype around him right now than there is Goff, even though I think Goff has actually probably outperformed him. Yeah, There's just a lot more attention going to Mahomes than it being his second year, his first year as a starter. Um, but both teams are undefeated, and I, I think when they play in Mexico City, that's a game that I really wish that we could get to. I just don't think it's going to yeah, happen. I don't think so either. Uh, Goff has played one more game than Mariota at this point, but he has uh, – 500 more yards than him. He has 1,400 yards. He's thrown 11 touchdowns, two picks. Pat has thrown 13 touchdowns, zero picks. So, I mean, golf is on a pace to just shatter some records uh, with with yards. Uh, it, it looks really, really freaking good. So, uh, if I had to pick, I would I would take Patty. But I think we all agree it's it's Mac, right, for defensive? Oh, player? yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's hard to pick against him right now. I mean, the guy's on a – he's always been this good. But now it's like elevated. It just yeah. it's a different level of play. Imagine having Khalil Mack and then actually trading him, like not on Madden. Yeah, like when he's twenty seven years old, not like you know five years in the future, like right, right now, currently uh, trading and, him. Like I love Khalil Mack. I also want to because we're seeing the we're as we're sitting here recording, the Browns have taken the lead over the the Raiders, and Miles Garrett 
deserves some kind of love. Like, I, I don't care if it's all pro, like, whatever. Miles Garrett is really, really freaking good. He has as many sacks this year as Khalil Mack does. So, and this is one where, I mean, we could spend 30 minutes going back on a show sometime and finding all the tweets of people saying he was overrated and he wasn't going to be good. And he's in year two, one of the NFL's best pass rushers. So he's not there yet, but he's going to be very soon. So there's my there's my Miles Garrett. He's rant. on that all arms team too. God, the the so Connor long. Rogers all team. Yeah. That's right, buddy. All right. This one from uh Mark. Will LSU we were just telling everybody that would listen yesterday. Hey, two weeks we're at LSU, Georgia. Yeah. It's kind of like a sick, humble brag. But I I'm so excited. I, I just can't stop talking about it. Uh will LSU Georgia be two top five teams? Wow. What do you guys think? Is it uh, yeah. I think it can happen. I don't know. I'm I'm still skeptical of LSU. And I know it, they're like one of my favorite teams every year. Just the way they play, always right. the players they have. I, I just am still a little skeptical of them cracking the top five. But other teams have had really big losses that make it possible. And like the teams that are that are ahead of LSU, like Indiana at Ohio State. Don't really see that being a, a loss for Ohio State. Clemson is at Wake Forest, and Clemson's like a weird one because who knows what's going to be happening at quarterback. Um, so I guess you Wake Forest is awful. We shouldn't have anything to worry about there. Well, Bama's Van- just lucky they don't run into Citadel earlier. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vanderbilt at Georgia, which would be like the upset of the year. And I think Bama is off. Bama's at Arkansas. Or- they're at Arkansas? Yeah. Oh, that's right. We talked about that. Yeah, so they're not going to lose. So... I don't. I don't know if there's any way for LSU to. Well, if they win this week, LSU has Florida. So if they beat Florida, they won't move down any. So, so they yeah, would be, be top five. five. And yeah. I think they will beat Florida. I'm yeah, not so, so sure about right. that Clemson Wake Forest game though. With the quarterback situation that they have, I mean they they barely won Saturday. They yeah. rushed the fucking field for a home <laughs> win. That's right. Yeah, that was weird. I don't. That's just don't do that. I maybe I'm the fun police, but like no. No, it's that Syracuse, was so ridiculous. Man. Just don't do it. <laughs> it's Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. As the, what, number three team in the nation, you beat Syracuse at home <laughs> and your fans rush the field. And I get you only rush during upsets. Yeah, huge right. upsets. So if you're like the, if you're a top five team, you don't rush the field. Ever. When Kansas finally beat Texas, they rushed the field and I was pissed about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I got it. Like, I understand. So yeah, I do think, to answer uh, Mark's question, I do think it will be. Two top five teams, and I hope so because that's just going to make that atmosphere even better for all of us uh, when we're down there. Last question from Jim. Uh, Jim was, we didn't know this. It was parents' weekend at TCU. So we're in our little tailgate village, and there's this, these kind of older guys in the tent next to us, and we start talking to them. Jim's one of them, and uh, great guys. Uh, I think they drank all of our leftover beer. So definitely appreciate them cleaning up after us. His question, and I really like this one. Does Ed Oliver's lack of numbers hurt his draft stock? And I, I think, you know, we've talked about this before, but this is something that we do need to talk about for those casual fans uh, of the draft who don't understand that, you know, a guy's stats aren't the end all be all. And for Ed Oliver, who, unless something happened yesterday, I don't think he has a sack this year. Uh, and Just we're talking wild. about him, talking about him as being, you know, one of the best players in the country. Do they matter? And I know what I'm going to say. But you guys take it away. And you're you're going to say they don't matter. And they don't. Like, you look at these guys every year, especially with pass rushers, because you can do so much to isolate them and just 
make them almost irrelevant. You can double and triple team these nose tackles and make them their stat game irrelevant. But really, they're taking on two to three blockers, so everybody else is coming and cleaning up house. So numbers, they don't matter for a guy like Ed Oliver. We've seen it before with, like, Clowney. Everyone said he should just sit out his junior year. Like, the numbers don't matter. So Ed Oliver, I don't care if he has a single sack all season. He's still one of the top five prospects in the next year's draft. I was going to say, I feel very comfortable sitting here right now and saying, no matter what, Ed Oliver is a top five pick, top five prospect. I mean, he's that good. The way he impacts the game. He's also playing for Houston, and Houston's not like a shit program. But at the end of the day, you're Ed Oliver on Houston. You're going to get double. I've seen him triple teamed multiple times. So I don't I don't need to see the stats in the box score right now for him because I know on Sundays, I mean, he's going to be a force. No matter where you play him, whether it's 5-tech, 3-tech, Shade knows that he plays a ton at Houston. The guy is dominant, and for that kind of position, sometimes the numbers don't matter. Yeah, I think that's very well said. He He's the number two player on my board. I, I put on a new big board Friday morning uh, in my scouting notebook article, and it was Bosa 1, Oliver 2. And then I actually did what I told you guys I was going to do. I put like, okay, now there's another tier. And these players are not, like, player number three is not actually close to player number two. Uh, It's just a a different world right now. Uh, That's our show for this week. Thank you again to everyone from TCU. Uh, Everyone who came by said hi, grabbed a koozie, got a sticker, hung out with us. Uh, We had so much fun. I'm going to go sleep for like an entire day now uh, and and try to recover. Uh, I have a busy week ahead. New mock draft coming out Tuesday morning. Connor and I will have a podcast for you Wednesday morning. Melo and I will have a pod for you Friday morning. Uh, and so it's going to be a fun week as we, we're kind of getting into the middle of it. We're, we're four weeks in uh, on the NFL, five weeks in on the college side. It's a lot of fun. So make sure you've subscribed, followed on Twitter, and we'll talk to you guys real soon.